0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas.
1: Good morning. So good to see so many bright and beautiful faces. Uh, yeah, so John went on a walkabout. All the men here know what that is. Girls are like, what? Huh? So he decided to uh, go to Yellowstone for a couple of weeks and um, just hang out with the bears. So he's seen a lot of bears. He's like Mowgli, you know, I mean... I can just see him like floating down a river on the, on the chest of a bear singing some sort of song like, what was that song Mowgli sang? Yeah, the Bear Necessities. Yeah, he's just loving life right now. And so I'm just so happy for him. So I talked to him and I'm like, so what are you doing? He said, anything I want. So yeah, he left. He left the rat race, and so I'm just really excited for him. But I miss him like crazy. So, and I keep saying to him, "Do you miss me?" And he's like, "Yes, of course, honey. I miss you." But he is like in his element. I didn't realize I, I married a man that you know that is such a wilderness guy. But he really is. Um, anyway, so praise God. Well, um, so we've been doing this summer of abiding, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it. I know I've been enjoying it. I love to get in the Word, and I, I love to hear what Jesus has to say. So we've been going through the the three chapters in the book of John, chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh, that's four. Four chapters. <clears throat> and... Um, And Jesus, after he finished um, having supper with the disciples and washing their feet, and he goes into this um, teaching. And it's right before he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and right before his arrest. And he leaves them with a summary. He sums up his entire experience with them and really the reason that he came and you know it's so interesting because as humans we we try to kind of put god in this box and we try to create a form <laughs> a formula and he said no i came for love i came for love i came for abiding and again, he uses a word that we're not familiar with today in our culture. We, we are not familiar with abiding and what that is. But it's, it's drawing so near to someone that you actually connect with them and become one with them. Where there's such a familiarity there that you know their character and their nature and you're so filled with the very essence of who they are. And so this was the truth of the gospel and what he was after. And so he that's why you heard him yelling at the Pharisees all the time, because he was actually coming against a system of religion that was ending. There was a system that he was bringing to an end through what he was called to do. And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to get back into a system because the system will take the place of intimacy. Because when love draws near, we back up because it's uncomfortable. And I was feeling in my spirit this morning, you know, we're singing all of these songs. I love these songs. These songs are songs of intimacy. And a lot of times as men, you know, like Mowgli, My husband, you're kind of like you're you're like you're like I'm a man's man. I'm like they're singing all these songs about intimacy and about love. Well, you know that's great for the girls, but you know I'm a warrior. But I just want to remind you of something. David slayed ten thousand. He, I mean, I'm sorry, but that hasn't I haven't seen that happen in my lifetime or since. One guy standing out there, and it was with one of those heavy swords. If you ever tried to pick up one of those swords? You're like, oh, I can't even imagine wielding that sword 10,000 times. I mean, it's just the thought of it is incredible. So this man was so strong, and he was such a warrior. He wrestled the bear, which I'm sure John has done, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys in on those stories. But he wrestled a bear. You know, I mean, he, he wrestled a lion. He, he was that man. But yet he said these words. He said that his one thing desire is to dwell. And that word dwell means to abide in the house or the heart of the Lord all of the days of his life. And so he had this, this, he had this warrior. And this lover in him. And that's who we're called to be. The women, we're called to be warriors. The men are called to be lovers. So we get to be both. Amen? All right, so he's describing a deep abiding affection and an emotional connection between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and us. My goal here today is to bring you into a deeper understanding of what the church is primarily supposed to look like. And I don't want to stand up here and, uh, and because I'm standing up here with the greatest amount of humility as I tell you this, but I've been doing this now for 20 years. I've been doing this long enough that I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And when I say what works, I want to see the kingdoms of darkness come down and the kingdoms of light raise up. And, I, and so I've seen effective Christianity, I've seen biblical Christianity, and I have seen non-biblical Christianity in America. I've been to other places, but I, I haven't stayed there long enough to actually kind of come up to a conclusion. But I know what I see in this land. And you can look at the fruit around us, and you can tell how effective the church has been. Because the church is the light. So if the darkness begins to take over, it's time for the warriors to get back on the wall and begin to fight. Amen? Because God is doing this. He is making his lambs lions. So right after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist... He's declaring who, John the Baptist is declaring who Jesus is. And his disciples, John's disciples are like, oh, wait, this is the Son of God. And so they turn and they begin to follow Jesus. And as they do, Jesus turns to them and he says, what do you seek? And they said this, we want to know where you abide. The very first question asked to Jesus after the anointing and the dove came down on him and anointed him was, where do you abide? Because I want to be with you where you are. I don't want to be with you where you are on a Sunday. And then the rest of the week, I'm on my own. I want to be with you where you are every single moment of every single day because I know in that place there is victory. I know in that place there is rest. I know in that place there is authority. I know in that place there is love and safety. You just add everything that's good by God and it's in that place. And so there is this Slight, and I want to take you on my own personal journey because when I got saved, I got saved in this radical way. I got saved by hearing the audible voice of the Lord, which was which freaked me out. I didn't even know God talked, I'd never read the Bible, so God broke in. Okay, well, so I started going to church. I found this amazing spirit filled church, which I love with all my heart. They were my family, and they and, and just incredible Bible teaching which is necessary. It was good. And then the Lord, the Holy Spirit, told me to go to this place called International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And I I was like, well, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what they do, but okay, I'll go. And so I, and, and listen, I'm prophesying the gifts of the Spirit or, are, are, you know, this church is amazing. People are getting healed. The presence of God is there that I'm in. It's phenomenal. So I go to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. This is like, I don't know, 20 years ago. And when I get there, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to them talk about Jesus. And I was completely undone. Because where I have heard people teach about Jesus and they know about Jesus, which is good. These people knew Jesus. And and, and there's this slight difference that will take you down two different roads. And it's everything. Uh, about this time last year, I had this incredible dream where I was walking through the book of my, I was walking on the pages of my Bible in the book of Revelation. And in that, I was, um, I turned, I won't tell you the whole dream, but um, I turned and I looked at Jesus and he, at the towards the end of the, the dream, he was standing on Revelation 117. I am the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, and his eyes were like flame of fire. And, I mean, he looked at me, and when he looked at me, his eyes went through every single cell in my body. He permeated everything. He saw everything, and what happened is I got hit with love, and it went through me and through me and through me and through me, and there was no end to his knowing me. And then he said this, I'm not who they think I am. In other words, my people don't know me. You see, he is a good God. He's a good father, but he is a righteous judge. And with everything that's coming on the earth, the only way to stand in this hour is to know God, One-on-one, abide with him, get in that place of prayer, get in that place where we know him. Amen? There's this, um, I don't know how many of you have ever read this story uh, called um, um, Journey to the City of God. Okay, well, it's a story of a man who was um, searching for the city of God. And so, he was on his his journey, and he comes to this city, and it's called Christendom. And so, he goes in, and he's asking people, do you know where the city of God is? Do you know where the city of God is? And a lot of people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, this is Christendom, and, and there's Christian music, and the restaurant's playing over the speakers, and everybody's got their Bibles out, and he's like, wow, this is an amazing place. Everybody here loves Jesus. And so, he... He keeps asking people about the city of God, and they go, oh, no, you don't want to do that. Just stay here. It's really comfortable here. It's really awesome here. We're all Christians. Just stay here. And so he's, he's, he's in the city, and, he, and he's, he sees along the roadway this old man with this cane. And he's got this cloak over him. Just looks like a homeless person. And as he passes by, the old man says to him, so I hear you're looking for the city of God. And he's turned and he said, do you know where it is? And he said, yes. And he said, see that pathway that leads into the desert. He said, that's the way. And it will take you there. And he said, well, what about this? He goes, no, if you stay here, you'll die. He said, go where the Lord is taking you. And so he went through the journey of finding the city of God, and it was hard. It was a hard journey. But that's what we're called to do. It is the narrow way. It is the narrow way. It is, listen, all of this is good. Community is good. We're all supposed to come together. But what we're supposed to do is we're actually supposed to move things in the spirit when we gather. We're supposed to be pressing and pushing, which is what you saw up here this morning. This is what we do six, seven times a week in the house of prayer. I, I came out of the business world, and I can tell you that I, I used to not just be an employee. I used to start businesses and, and get them up and running and, and then hand them off. But this was, when I, when I became a believer, I was like, wow, this church business model actually isn't very effective um because it's not doing what you know, the business model that's that's in the book. So when we come together, we're actually supposed to see something happen. You know, we should expect when we begin to gather, where two or more are gathered together, right? when we begin to gather and we begin to press in and we begin to declare, something should happen. And I think we've become so accustomed to unfulfilled prayer that we actually train ourselves to make excuses for why things don't happen. But could it possibly be that we're doing it wrong? I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. And years ago, this was a conclusion that I had to come to in my own life. Yeah. Hard truths. See, God designed his house as a house of abiding so that we can know him. Period. His house is a house of encounter. His house is a house where we come to know him personally. I love this book. This is my favorite book on the earth. People will be like, I want you to read my book. And I'm like, you know, it's hard for me to get off the pages of this one, but okay. I never read anybody else's book. This is the most intoxicating story But even with that, this does not contain the one that I love. It tells me about him. I learned so much about this. But when I abide, what happens is that I get to go on a journey that's a now journey with the Lord. And he begins to show me his thoughts and the things that he's thinking when he's telling me these stories, when I'm reading these stories. Because then I get to know, actually his character and his nature and who he is. So when trouble shows up, I don't go, oh my gosh, oh no, oh no. I go, oh hallelujah. God, what, are you, what do you want to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And he's like, all right, here's what we are going to do about this. Because we're actually supposed to be taking dominion, right? So I had the privilege of praying for somebody else uh, this week with coronavirus. And when I walked in the house, you know, the kids were wearing masks. And, um, and then uh, the mom and dad that were sick with coronavirus, severe coronavirus, like, like debilitating sickness. And I walked in. Again, people, I'm not wearing a mask. I walk up to the mom and I give her a big hug. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm here to take dominion. I'm a sent one. I have been sent by God. He told me to come. Therefore, this thing's got to go. And so there was a huge shift in the house. There was a huge shift in the house. This thing had gotten a hold of them. And I'm telling you something about this coronavirus. The primary thing about this, this sickness, this virus, is fear. Is fear. It's got an element to it that has been perpetuated by everything we see and hear. And I want you to know something. Perfect love casts out all fear. When you're loving on Jesus and you're so in love and intoxicated in love and you're like, oh, man, I'm so in love, I'm so in love, and then coronavirus shows up and you're like, oh, man, hold on a minute. I'm so in love. Let's just spill some of that love over there, right? Because it casts out sin. It casts out sin. My perfect love is casting out that sin. It's covering that sin. Am I right? So what happens? That thing's got to go. Anyway. So all of their symptoms left. Praise God. All right. um, So Jesus sits now on David's throne, and he's called the son of David. His house is David's house, which he said he would restore. So when he brought out his whip and he began to tear apart the tables, I mean, think about how rude that is. I'm telling you, people that think Jesus had good manners, he didn't not have good manners. He was just like, wreck it, Ralph, right? He went in there, and can you imagine? It's like, what is he doing? I mean, they didn't really like him anyway. You know, he wasn't like the popular guy among the Pharisees, and then he goes in with that whip, which he fashioned the night before. I love that. He knew what he was about to do because the Father told him, all right, so I want you, let's just read that real quick in Matthew um, 21, verse 12. Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who, brought, who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So go ahead and say that with me. My house has been called. amen so scriptures talk about the rebuilt Tabernacle of David first in Amos 911 in that day I will restore the fallen house of David I will repair its damaged walls from the ruins I will rebuild it and restore its former glory and so a lot of people think this former glory is is all about you know uh, the the tabernacle or the tent of David well the tent of David had the glory of the Lord because the Ark of the Covenant was there. I really believe when he's talking about restore it to his former glory, I think he's looking for this garden glory. As it was in the beginning, so it shall be in the end. What did he say to me? I am the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. As it was, it shall be once again. And so he's a gardener. He's a gardener. He is a gardener, and he's coming, and and we are these shoots. We are these vines that are connected to the branch, and he is coming to garden his garden so that the glory of God can rest in us. Amen? Amen. So uh, that's that's Old Testament, okay? So let's look at the New Testament, Acts chapter 15, verse 16. I will restore, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restored it. This is James, and he's talking about methodology or the new system of God's church. And he's saying that I am going to rebuild this tabernacle, the tabernacle of Who? David. The tabernacle of who? David. And so he said, this is what is happening. This is the rebuilt, ta- everything you're seeing, all the power, all the healing, the, the, the demons that are flying out of people. That's all because of the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David is now with man. Hallelujah. Am I yelling? I don't mean to yell. I just get really excited. All right, so David's house. As we've been talking about abiding these last several weeks, guess where Jesus got the language about abiding? He got it from David. Or David got it from him. Which is it? I think David got it from him. So David, here's David. Okay, so David's this warrior, right? Well, David wrote the book of Psalms. Okay, so David is basically a songwriter. So he's a he's the king but he he writes songs. And he doesn't just write songs like, "Oh, I'm going to put together some stanzas and I'm going to I'm going to okay, what would rhyme with that word." That's not what he was doing. What he was doing is he was abiding. And how do we know he was abiding? Cuz he's the only one In his day or has ever been up into his day he was the only one that talked about abiding with God so he must have been experiencing it so there he is he's abiding with God having these encounters and what happens is the the Holy Spirit is downloading all of this prophecy And he's writing down these prophetic songs, and he's taking them, and he's throwing them to his 4,000 singers and musicians. 4,000 paid singers and musicians. Now, where do you think he got the revelation to have 4,000 singers and musicians? Why do you think that every time God sent his people into battle, he put the musicians in the front? Now, can you imagine? I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of musicians, God makes them very emotional for a reason. So they tap into the emotions of God. So that's really a beautiful thing. But I don't know. If I was a very emotional musician and they put me outside or out front of a a battle, I would be like, (laughs) (laughs) God, you are good and your mercies endure forever. I'm gonna die. But instead, what happened is their song loosed the armor of kings, right? So there's this cool thing that's going on in heaven right now. Do you know what it is? Oh, they're singing. They're singing they're singing and they sing and they sing and they sing and they sing god loves music he invented it it's been going on from the beginning of time and he gets us he lets us partake in this song and so what happens is that david oh by the way i just i just read this the other day i don't know why i've never seen this but david's singers were the sons of the seers say that three times. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because he's looking for people who can see him. That they're up there and they're bringing heaven to earth. So so what you're experiencing here this morning was just that. What we do, Lindsay throws it, they catch it, And they throw it out in song. And what happens with song, I don't, you know, I I don't know. There's some sort of frequency or something that happens. Song shifts things. And I can tell you that. I will never forget the time. Oh, this isn't even part of my message, and I'm going to go too long. I'm so sorry. But you've got to hear this. It's so compelling, okay? So we we went down to uh, this This bill was being passed uh, to shut down the abortion clinics in, um, in uh, Texas uh, and uh, making them qualified to be an ambulatory uh, center. And so they had to bring the level of excellence up. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, all of, and so we were down there, you know, and so I like going where the fight is. I don't know about y'all, but I'm like, oh man, if they're fighting over something, I'm going to go get in the middle of it. And so we're down there, and what do I do? I bring my musicians. I'm going to a battle, right? Okay, so they're over there, and the musicians are playing. Well, a, a bus pulls up, and out of it comes all of these very scary looking people and I I can see by the spirit and in the spirit that they're headed up by a whole colony of witches and so I was like oh, la ba ba, ba ba. and there's all of these sweet moms with their kids and so I go in between the witches and the moms you know I'm like kandala ba, kandala ba de, oh ba. and I take my musicians and they're out there and it's not like they're singing you know like some sort of war dance or anything they're just we're just Kumbaya, and, oh, Jesus, you are so good, and your mercies endure forever, or whatever we were singing. I don't know. But anyway, the point is, they got near to me, and they started closing their ears off and screaming at the top of their lungs, stop singing. They were, like, manifesting. And I was like, turn it up, boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. We ended up winning that battle, praise God, right? Yeah, don't mess with the worshipers. All right, so um, we've been talking a lot about Psalm 91 and the function of abiding. See, David understood this. He understood that abiding actually produces something. So if you're in a battle, what do you do? You abide, right? If you want victory, what do you do? You're abiding, right? What, what happens when you abide? You get all oily. Have you ever tried to open a rusty door or a door that's stuck? You know, he said you're going to open. What you open, no man can shut. I'm telling you, man, when you're oily, that hinge on that door just goes, whoo! It flies open because of the oil, because I've been abiding. Therefore, everything that God has for me, more than I can hope or imagine. I just want you guys to know something. If you can hope or imagine it, it's not God. It's you. It's more than you can hope or imagine. And when you begin to abide, you actually slipstream in this supernatural life, and you begin to go further than you could in your own strength. All right, Psalm, here's some Psalms for you. I'm going to put them up there. Um, 15, Psalm 15, 1. Who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Again, this is David. Uh, Psalm 61. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay is connected to when you abide, you're safe. When you abide, you have provision. When you abide, you have freedom. When you abide, you have authority. So that's how it goes. And that's basically what what David was singing about. So, the Tabernacle of David speaks of the governmental center of earth that operates with the spirit of worship and prayer. It consists of both worship, order, and governmental authority, plus much more. God commanded David to command the kings of Israel to embrace this reality. I'm telling you, listen, this is the centerpiece of everything God does. He rules the universe through prayer and worship. It is his only governmental center, and without this, nothing turns. It's almost like the nucleus of an atom bomb. It's not going to work if the nucleus is not spinning, okay? So, in your personal life, in our corporate life, in our church life, the church was designed by God to be a house of prayer so that the nucleus will turn and we will all be victorious. Amen. So, David, release the sound of music didn't he? He created something in Israel, which, by the way, has never been seen since. He created a governmental center releasing song that brought the enemy down on every side. They had the longest time of peace that they've ever had. They had the longest time of prosperity that they've ever had the longest time of rest, the longest time of of honor, the longest time where people revered the nation of Israel because of this place of prayer and worship. So back years ago, the Lord told me, I want you to build my house of prayer When I was encountered by the audible voice of the Lord, and I didn't know him, I wasn't seeking him, he said these words, rebuild my temple, his house, so that his house can prepare his bride. So I just want to show you a, a slide here. So um, we actually uh, were the house of, uh, were the Dallas house of prayer for the longest time. We weren't the, um, we weren't storehouse. That came around later. We started the church several years after. Can you put up the slide to the values? We put up, we started the house of prayer. I mean, church. What four years? four years after we started the prayer room. And, um, and so I just wanted you to see this because I just wanted you to see a little bit about who we are. Um, because I want you to see the, the, um, the first one there. Prayer and worship is our heartbeat, meaning that, that we, that's the thing that keeps the body, this body, running. I've had so much warfare over the prayer room Everybody's good with the church, but so much warfare over the prayer room. Why? Because the one thing that the devil doesn't want you to do is to worship and pray. You can go to church. That's good. But the minute that you start going beyond that and start then knowing God, God, believing God, the kingdom will come through your life. So there will be evidence of what you believe through this reality. So here's what's been happening this year. Storehouse has been seeing a hundredfold increase in our online activity. I mean, that's pretty significant, a hundredfold increase. I know, right? So with that, we were just praying and saying, God, you know, what is going on here? And and we're having people come to us now from all over the world. We had a a woman um, from Wales recently, and and she shows up here at Storehouse, and she said, I'm here because I've been watching your, or not watching, but listening to your prayer room, and I was so impacted by it that I thought I have to be there in person. I mean, that's incredible. And this wasn't some wealthy woman that said, yeah, I have an extra half a million dollars laying around, so I think I'm just going to get on a jet plane, which is crazy, right? Is that crazy? And so um, we just have a lot of additional activity. And so I want to show you, uh, but before I show you this, I want to tell you this great testimony, Um, just the evidence. Again, you've got to have evidence that something's working. Again, I'm a, I'm a business person, so if I'm going to do something, I better see a, re, a result from what I'm doing. If I'm going to be putting uh, my investing, my time, my money, my resources, everything, I want to see a return for my investment. Can I get an amen? amen. So does God, by the way. Um, so uh, do y'all remember the Super Bowl when Dallas hosted the Super Bowl years ago? Yeah. All right, so we found out that uh, the sex trafficking in a city will go up by like 89 percent during a Super Bowl time because the, and they what they do is they bring in all of these girls from all over who are sex trafficked for the purpose of servicing all of the men who are coming in for the event. Okay, it happens in every city, it's terrifying. So I just said, okay, yeah, that's not going to happen in my city. Do you know that Dallas is actually your city? Do you know that God has called you to a territory, and he's called you to take dominion to that place? And so you, you get to say, no, this is my city. That's not going to happen in my city. Because once you start saying these kind of things and living this kind of life, you actually begin to, it causes you to respond. So I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you guys to fast and pray for 21 days, And I want you to um, um, pray um, the last uh, four days before uh, the the Super Bowl. I want you to pray 24-7. Okay. Great. Awesome. So pray and worship 24-7 before. So we start getting towards this. We've been fasting and praying as a house of prayer for 21 days and, you know, just contending and and just releasing what you saw up here. We're just pitching what we're seeing. They're throwing it out. They're throwing it out. We're catching. And it's just this beautiful symphony of back and forth, back and forth. Well, so about uh, uh, Wednesday, the weather changes. The weather shifts and um, we get a ice storm. I mean, just this severe ice storm. And then we get this snow. I mean, you know, it's, we're, we're in the south. I mean, it snows kind of in Dallas like this. So anyway, we get the snow and the snow is on now on top of this layer of ice. And the snow is, um, it, it was like, I don't know, a foot and a half. Two feet, three feet. I don't know. It was incredible. I'm like, this is phenomenal. But at the same time, I had no idea what was going on, but what ended up happening is that every highway coming into Texas got shut down. Every highway, there's no coming in or out at all. So this went on and this snow stayed on the ground for what, four days through the Super Bowl. So I had a friend of mine call me up, and she said, I had this dream that I think is for y'all. She's one of Lou Engle's um, intercessors, and she said uh, that that, uh, she had the dream, and she saw, saw this girl that was caught in sex trafficking. And she was crying, and she saw the Lord's hand catching her tears. And when, the Lord, when her tears hit the Lord's hand, it turned into blocks of ice. And when she woke up, God said, this is my just ice, my justice He shut the city down through his justice because of his justice. He iced the streets so that there could be no sex trafficking. There was only one case in the whole Metroplex of any sex trafficking. Can I get an amen? And so again, Jesus knows he's just looking for a people that say, not on my watch. This is not going to happen here. And I'm telling you, we're still we still have these kinds of testimonies that are just phenomenal. We should be the cause and effect people. We should be the people that are seeing live answers. So I want to show you this video um, that we're doing for our Heartbeat project. Great testimony of love.
0: There was a time I decided with the Lord that I would serve in the House of Prayer. And uh, there was a time in November 2018 that I felt like the Lord was drawing me back. And He said, hey, I think this would be a great place. And so I looked up Storehouse and I started serving here. But it was almost like the Lord declaring over my life that He hasn't forgotten His promises with me. And that He'll walk through everything and just keep calling me back to the things that He decided to partner with me for. And so Storehouse specifically has kind of harnessed all of that the Lord is calling me to and just helped me walk it out and encounter the Lord while I'm doing it. The main area that the prayer room has impacted my life is just in general, when you go to meet with God, it's a place where you can go and there's a stillness to it. um, And it gives you time to process Emotions of God that you might not realize when you're kind of just mulling through quiet times as you go through your week, but it's an environment where there's sustainability in encountering God. The Storehouse Prayer Room has been just an incredible environment because it's a family here, and so as I serve on the Prayer Room, I get to be kind of partnered with these people who I love and who love me, and so. It makes it a good place to go, and then I get to encounter the Lord um, just whenever I come. And so it makes it easy. God's ready to be discovered, and we just have the opportunity to discover Him here.
1: Amen. God is ready to be discovered. All right. you some statistics. And the reason that I'm doing this, this is a, um, this is called the Heartbeat Project. And the reason that we're doing this now is we feel like that we're led by the Lord to strike the ground. When we strike the ground, what happens is that we're actually Through prayer, through intercession, and through releasing things in the spirit, we're actually beginning to move things. God is growing us. We're increasing, and we want to partner with him in that. And so um, I want to show you some of these statistics of what's been happening just to kind of bring you into our story. So in the the time that storehouse has been a um, house of prayer, we have received 888,125 views on our YouTube channel. We have now, uh, we have uh, almost 9,000 subscribers. Now, this is just from last year, okay? We received 476,000 views just this past year. I want you to think about that. Out of 888,000, uh, 50% of those views have happened this year. So something is going on. And so it's like, okay, Lord, um, what are you saying? And again, this is what we always have to say. What are you saying, God? What are you doing, God? We received 6,000 followers. That's 75% of our followers out of 8,000 followers we've just received this year. Okay. From last year, out of 100, and now look at this, out of 195 countries in the world, we've received views from 89 countries. We have reached almost half of the earth in one year. Isn't that incredible? Now, you have to ask yourself, um, okay, what are these, pe- self? What are these people doing? So we received this 16,000 views out of the 888,000 total views, okay? Just last month. Just last month. 16,000, over 16,000 views just last month. Now, we received 11,000 new views out of the 16,000 views. That means 11,000 people that went on they are viewing us for the first time. That's 68% new viewers. So what are they looking at? Well, I would like to tell you that they're listening to me preach. (laughs) But 52% of them are listening to our prayer room, which is why the woman from Wales came. So I want you to think about that. Out of 8,900 followers, over half of all of our viewers watch the prayer room playlist. So our YouTube subscribers are almost 9,000. 52% of all of our traffic goes to the prayer room. So in conclusion, people want the prayer room by live streaming our prayer room. Where we access heaven, be able to reach 106 out of the 195 countries to fulfill Storehouse's vision from God to transform the earth. Access heaven, transform the earth. Tell yourself, Why am I saying this to you? It's because we feel like it's time for our um, prayer room to go live. And what am I saying about that? We want to get more cameras in this room, and we want to start having a live prayer set. When people go online and they watch us on Sundays, they don't watch our worship. And how many of you like our worship? Okay. If we're already reaching all of these countries with our teaching, what would happen if they begin to encounter the Lord through our worship? especially the prophetic worship, especially because we have people come in here all the time. I get testimony after testimony where they're like, nobody even prayed for me. I actually got healed of this 10-year, 20-year ailment just through the worship. So I want to spread this around. When, when, here's here's I love one time Mike Bickle said this, I just pray. That's what I do. And they're like, okay, you pray. Well, how, how have you built this ministry? Well, I pray, and I watch, and when God begins to move, then I get behind what he's doing. And that's what's happening right now. God's beginning to move, and it's time to get behind God and say, all right, I'm going to participate in that because something's happening there, and you're doing something, and your favor is on this. And so I want to invite you into this story. And so what we're going to do in, uh, in like three weeks We're going to take up a special offering to take our prayer room live. That means that when you are clicking on our YouTube, you're not getting a blank screen, which is what you see now, like there's art there. But you don't see any of the beautiful worshipers, any of their faces. And so it's taking this to the next level of encounter for people where they're actually beginning to see us do these things. We want to encourage you in that. So we're going to be raising um, uh, two ways. We're going to start raising some money. We're going to ask that you pray uh, to partner with us in these two ways. First in the live stream, which is basically buying a bunch of equipment. And the equipment costs $35,000, which actually I was very surprised is not very much. And you may say, wait, $35,000 is a lot of money, but $35,000 is like nothing to God, right? Yeah. Amen? So, and especially when it's an all play and everybody gets involved and everybody shares and gives something and we just happen to be coming up to the uh, First Fruits offering at the beginning of the Hebraic year in September. So we're just going to do this in alignment with that and, and give a First Fruits offering for God's next calendar year. Anyway, so I'm going to try to raise uh, $35,000, and I really believe, prophetically, I think we can do this in about six weeks, and I think we can be up and running and and full speed ahead before the end of the year. That's really what I'm planning on, and so I want you guys to pray and agree with me about that, and so um, we're going to take up an offering the first Sunday in September. Um, If you want to give today, we have um, these wonderful cards you can give it any time, but formally we're going to take up everything in uh, on the first weekend in September, the first Sunday in September. All right. So that's the first part of it. <clears throat> so we get the equipment, but then what do we need? Can you put that back up there? <coughs> Number two, we are going to be looking for sponsors to our prayer room. People that have been so blessed by our prayer room worldwide and in here that they love it and they just want to partner monthly with the prayer room. Now, I already know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. Where does our tithe go? Well, thank you very much for asking that question. Um, Your tithe goes to pay for the salaries and the rent on the building, and it goes to support the pastors here and all of the programs and activities we have around the church, So, um, you know, like we're feeding the homeless over here. We're going out on the streets once a week. Um, You know, we're evangelizing. We're ministering to people. Uh, And so all of that costs money. Um, So uh, we're looking for people to partner in the prayer room. So this is what this looks like. We're going to have different levels where you can partner. Your level may be, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to call them. Gold, silver, copper. I don't know. (laughs) you know, uh, diamonds, you know, I don't know, red, blue, green, I don't know, but we'll do something. important part is that everybody, if, if this has been a blessing to you, I don't know about you. I mean, we, we, uh, love our worshipers. We love our worshipers so much that John and I, um, we have rental homes and so we have some of our worshipers there, and we, like, slashed the rental price for them, and then we hired a lawn company for them, and then and it's like anything they want, it's like, you're the worshipers. We love you. You bring in the presence of the Lord. We'll give you anything. So, a lot of times, partnering can look like $50 a month. It could look like $25 a month, it, but, you know, basically just whatever the Lord tells you to do, then do it, and you'll be blessed. Amen. All right, so I'm going to leave that there. You guys have been great. Beautiful people. All right, so let's stand.